All right, we've had another incredible weekend of racing and we're back with your Maxxis Tires post-race show for Val de Sol. Maxxis is synonymous with racing and is the name that comes to mind when you think of performance. It's no surprise then that they've won more than any other brand in the history of World Cup and EWS racing. No matter where or how you ride, Maxxis has the tyres for you with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. On my enduro bike, I'm running the DHR2 Max Terra double down on the rear paired with the Asagai Max Grip up front in their slightly lighter XO Plus casing. The downhill bike has DHR2 front and rear, both with the DH casing and with their super grippy Max Grip compound. Both setups are working awesome for me, but check out the range and see what's good for you. You can check out the entire range of Maxxis tyres over at maxxis.com and find the tyres at your local Maxxis dealer. You can also give them a follow on Instagram where they're at Maxxis Bike. All right, Val de Sol's Black Snake provided the entertainment for a wild afternoon of racing. With weather definitely playing its role in the week, here are thoughts on what went on and who's shone in these tricky conditions. So, without further ado, I'm joined by Nico Malali and Ollie Morris for our Maxis Tires post-race show from Val de Sol. Okay, we've had a, a crazy weekend of racing on the Black Snake. Once again, I'm joined by... Nico and Ollie to talk all about it. Uh, Nico, we'll start with you. Two weeks now back on the bike. How's uh, how's everything feeling? Uh, it's feeling better every day. That's that's the nice thing when um, when you're making progress. That's motivating. And I've been out for a ride just about every day, like probably five days a week in the gym and and riding. So you can only do so much. Like it's it, I always like it to go faster. Um, but you can only train it so much until you need to rest it to the next day. So yeah, I've been just working on trying to build my strength back. It was inspiring to watch Reese race this weekend. He had a similar leg injury. Um, I broke my pelvis. He broke his tib fib. I think it was tibial plateau, but still a situation where you were off your leg for two to three months and he was back at it. So that gives me some motivation that in not too long, hopefully I can be doing the same thing. Yeah, it was cool to see. Welcome back, Reese. It's always a pleasure to have him on the track, a really creative rider to watch and a good part of things. Ollie, what about you? You're not at the race this week. How's that been for you? Bit different, eh? Yeah, kind of skiving this one, I feel like. I feel like a sort of a duvet day or something like this, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, uh, really like different in loads of things. Like the amount of stuff I could see uh like i think i've got more information about like more riders i suppose in terms of like i've been to speak about later maybe but been really watching like the differences in riders body languages because you can like you know on your own sofa at home having a good look like rewinding if you need to rewind and watching again you know so like a different perspective there than uh than like before which i was probably a bit more limited on that when i'm at a race but yeah definitely uh getting more of maybe some of that inside stuff at the event so yeah as i probably said to you earlier it's been it feels like it's been quite a long weekend of watching downhill and is that a bad thing or a good thing maybe people are in different places but um yeah it, there is there is there is a lot of viewing to happen <laughs> yeah there, there is a huge amount of coverage and uh i still don't quite know how i feel about semis it's kind of this it is a race, but it's not a race. Do you watch it? Cause it's a few hours of your time and like, you know, there's mm -hmm. plenty of other things to be doing in life and is the final what, you know, where it all counts. Like it is kind of, I still haven't my, my mind up how I feel about it. Like what, what's your thoughts, Nico? You've obviously been watching kind of as a fan with us as well. Like, do you like all the extra sessions being televised or do you, do you feel like we're getting a bit swamped in coverage? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, I, I've been following it all. I've been getting up early in the morning here in the U S to watch the semifinals. And, um, it is a lot to remember everything that happened across both races and the junior race. And, uh, like last race when they had enduro as well, um, to keep track of it all, it's just a ton of, a ton of racing. Um, I, I worry it takes a, a little bit away from the, the quality and like the prestige of, a world cup every there's a lot of build up to and now there's so much of it maybe it's watering it down i don't know um when i was injured and i had nothing else to do i was glued to it and couldn't get enough and now that i can go for a bike ride during the day it's like i i'd rather do it myself than watch it all day but um 
yeah, yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? I I, I, I went through, you know, from a like on-site perspective, like as a either a member of staff or a fan, if you're there at the race, I think it's absolutely awesome and a great idea. And I think even the riders, although they're finding it tired on-site, probably agree with that as well. Like it makes it a super action-packed day you're always having to do something the day flies through and there's some awesome racing along the way and again the fans i've mentioned this before the fans love it because they can get up early and watch some serious racing all day um uh, but yeah at home i was kind of like oh yeah i had a bike ride to do i had a friend's uh, leaving barbecue you know it's like it was all kind of like a few things going you know it's like do you just stop life for six hours to watch all this and and and, and if i'm honest my friend's who are not in the industry like I am, who I went for this barbecue with, they kind of said the same. They were like, they just not bothering watching the finals. They were like, oh, I see the results. I've watched some, some of the semis. I'm happy, so, you know. So, it was, yeah, it was quite interesting seeing it from this side, I have to say, from the, you know, from the screen, you know, from not being on site. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I worry that Enduro, when there's a combined event, perhaps gets a little bit lost because there's obviously way less mm-hmm. coverage of that. And uh, it's, you know, kind of fighting for airtime against the downhill stuff. So I do worry about that, but hopefully we've still got plenty of separate enduro events to kind of keep that all ticking over. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it pans out. It's everyone's finding their feet with it. Um, Luckily, the coverage has been like relatively good. I think there's plenty of cameras on track. We're Mm. seeing a lot, like you said, Ollie, you can see a lot of the riders, which is cool. But let's, yeah, let's talk about this Val de Sol track. Um, Nico, you were there last year. And it was in its most brutal format, I think, like super rough, most of the dirt blown off the hill. And somehow they've brought in the figure I've seen quoted is 6,300 cubic metres of dirt, which feels like quite a lot. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how many lorry loads that is. Um, but they've been busy, Nico. What What are your thoughts on the work they've done on the track there? Uh, it, it still looked pretty rough, so I don't think there's many ways to make that track too easy. I I would guess the riders wouldn't be complaining with freshening it up a little bit. Um, And it looked like they did it in a way that they just routed the track to the side where they could and then smoothed out some of those sections where they could access with dirt. That mountain's so steep and gnarly that I imagine it would be really difficult to get dirt in to freshen the line. And a lot of it's just natural stuff anyway that you don't really want to just cover in dirt. So... um, yeah, in years past, they had more freedom, I think, before there was a bike park there to just route the track naturally wherever they wanted. But now that it's a bike park and all the trails are marked, I remember last year the main trail builder, Christian, was telling me they're they're limited by the forest, the forestry at where they can go now with the track and they have to stay on their line. So I think they did the best they could. Um, and it looked like good racing. It definitely looked rough. And some of those tired old sections where they kind of just changed the chicane and, and maybe did an opposite, uh, left, right. It looked like it worked pretty well and it all burnt in by race time. Looked good. Yeah. It looked like it degraded quite quickly though, Ollie, in some of those sections, at least like there was this sort of moon dust effect kind of hiding the holes and riders were having to find their way through that. It looked like quite a challenging first uh, day or so of practice while it was super dry. It did. Yeah. And I think the, it showed from how the bikes were set up and there was quite clearly people were taking different strategies in terms of bike setup uh, through the weekend. And then obviously come race run and, uh, yeah, it's not. I and I remember this from last year, but it's the same this year. Maybe, maybe it's a bit smoother in places, but I think those sort of dust holes were coming out, so it looked smoother maybe in places. Whereas last year, it's quite obvious where the holes were. Um, but yeah, it, it brings that massive challenge to the riders and the mechanics and the engineers of how they're going to set up the bikes. And it, it, I, I loved watching it and seeing. You know, some bikes I was seeing come down, I was thinking, oh, it looks like they've chosen the wrong route here. And then actually, as they go down, I was like, ah, okay, no, there's certain sections there where this is really working for them, this strategy. So, and it made me really look and go, okay, there isn't one strategy that's going to work for this track. You know, there's, there's, because it's, there's no, it's actually, everyone calls it a steep track, which is not, you know, and there's actually some really flat bits, but you just come onto them very fast because, of a, of a shorter steep bit going into it. 
Um, and then you have the bits with the massive holes and you have, so there's all of, there's all of these different things. And I think each bike sort of came into its own at different times down the track, um, from what I was watching anyway. Yeah. Nico, it is a bit of a a track of many different styles, I guess, like Ollie says, some steep bits, some longer flat sections, some bits where you want to carry speed is bike set up something that you think requires a lot of attention there. Is it something that can be a real advantage if you find a sweet spot or is it really just a case of wherever you end up it's going to work maybe well in some areas and less well in others on a track like that um that bike setup in val de sol is always so tough because nothing feels good and it seems like no <laughs> bikes feel good i almost feel like that's why it's like it's like an equalizer it's sometimes you see off-brand suspension or bikes that normally you wouldn't think of as being the most competitive guys doing well in Val de Sol because everyone's struggling and they're kind of all in the same boat. But I, I think the smoother sections at Val de Sol, there's not as much time to gain there. So it, it still is about trying to get through those rough sections and the gnarlier parts as, as quick as you can. If anything, in those smoother sections, you're conserving energy. Like you saw some of the guys shaking out their hands or just uh, taking a breath. I don't think there's a ton of bike setup that goes into that. So you're trying to get it to feel good through that rough stuff. And I don't think you're ever going to get something that feels good. You get something faster than something else. But um, in the end, I think you just got to try to get something predictable and reliable. The track's pretty brutal on equipment. So you need something that's a, a setup that's going to be able to hold up as well. And then, um, just focusing on staying on top of it. Like it, I remember in this track, if you wrote it in sections, taking breaks, like a minute at a time, it felt fine. Like no one part of it is unrideable, but on top of each other with no rest, it just feels like so bad. I remember in, in a, my quality run last year thinking like, this is it. I'm not qualifying. Like this is, this feels so terrible. And then everybody else felt terrible too. And the time was actually okay. So it's about just, yeah, finding something that you can ride consistently, predictably, and that's going to hold up. And then after that, just focusing on you hitting your marks. Yeah. Ollie, I want to I want to talk a little bit about wet lines versus dry lines. Obviously, it's a, a week where weather played in, and we'll talk more about that, especially when we get to the men's finals. Um, but we clearly did have some kind of sessions that were wetter than others throughout the week. Is this a track where, like, a line that you might choose wet versus dry is quite different, or is it just a case of you're probably on the very similar or the same lines and just riding it with a slightly different technique or at a different pace? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, and, and technique, attitude and uh, pace definitely are a huge thing to uh, that need changing in when um, conditions change, you know, when it does get wetter. Um, and yes, there are wet lines. There's always, there's always wet lines and dry lines on every track. But I think uh, Val de Sol especially, I wasn't there a few years ago when they had the real wet one. But uh, seeing even this week or in previous years, when it does get a bit of wet, it's that those open sections where it's quite hard pack get so shiny. I think uh, Angel nearly crashed. In fact, I think the commentators thought he had a puncture when he came around that right-hander in the open there. It, there. There is just no grip. And I think you saw more riders, they were struggling to get high and punch high into the turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anton Roge, he, um, he actually crashed, I think, on it, didn't it? Because he was trying to still get high into the turn, whereas actually... I uh, can't remember some riders came down soon after him, but they just kind of nursed it in, didn't bother getting so high and just try, kind of changed their approach around the turn. So, yeah, there's definitely lines. It's hard to always spot them at first, but it's more to do with where you're having to make your turn. You know, if you have to make a turn to the high line, do you just cancel that out and uh, and stick to the main? Yeah. Okay. And let's let's talk a little bit about tyre choice, Nico. There's, there was quite a lot of talk about it in commentary of riders choosing spikes or mud tires or or running dries have you got any thoughts on that balance there because the comment from the team in the booth i guess was that even in that deep dust maybe quite a lot of riders would favor a spiked or a mud tire anyway like where would you be heading in those sort of conditions Uh, it's tough because there's so much root and rock on the track that normally a mud tire is is going to be unpredictable on that sort of terrain where in all the soft dirt where the where the tire can penetrate 
and bite in, then it feels great. But when you hit the, the roots that are underneath the dust that you can't see and it deflects, then you could get thrown offline. So um, it's a tough balance. Like uh, you could go either way, really, like each have their pros and cons. Um, now I think the track has enough hard pack on it that you can probably make a better argument for a dry tire or even like I've run before an Asagai with like the intermediate knob cut out to make the channel bigger between the center and side knob. Okay. Um, and that seemed to be a good compromise, like a lot of rubber on the ground, but still more open tread pattern to bite in. Um, it's just not the, the like all natural dust track that it was in years past. Like I remember Mark Beaumont won on this track with, with wet screams <laughs> in the complete dry and <laughs> Like, that's just crazy to think. Like, nobody would go for that setup anymore. Maybe it was just a different time. But um, I, I think the track now has enough mix and that it's run the same line year after year that you're probably better, more predictable. Not for rolling speed, but just the predictability of a dry tire on the hard surfaces and the obstacles in the trail. Yeah. Okay, let's move on talk a little bit about the racing. We'll kick off with the junior women. And uh, it looks like things are going pretty well for New Zealand downhilling when you look at the, the junior women. Uh, Sasha Ernest in first place, Aris van Leuven in second, two incredible Kiwi junior women. But also, Ollie, a 12-second gap between Sasha and Aris from first to second. That's huge. Loved, loved, loved watching Sasha's run. It was awesome, man. Like, like the the junior women field is getting a little bit bigger obviously over time and it's always inherently being a smaller field like that's that's been a fact like uh, um and it's getting a little bit bigger but also more importantly is you've got riders like Sasha and like from a coaching perspective how she was her technique her way she stood on the bike uh, at such a young age had she had such a mature like position and let's be honest, the younger guys and girls are not as strong. Like that's a, that's a, also another just fact. But she's putting herself in a position that she bloody well needed for a track like that because it's you know it is such a physical track. So uh, yeah, I want I'm actually going to watch her run again actually because it was just <laughs> I was so impressed. And I couldn't wait for you to mention her name because um, yeah, fair play to her, massive respect, a huge run and well delivered and. Uh, yeah, we have to, you know, Nico, it's hard getting down that track. Like, technically, it's totally fine. And yes, it's, it is technically hard, but physically, it's really oh, hard, yeah. isn't it? And uh, they've had a long week on it. So, yeah, Nico can vouch for how hard it is. So, um, uh, super impressed and, and, and really pleased Sasha put that run down. Yeah, good stuff. And then junior men. Bodie Coon's been uh, threatening all season long and he's uh, he's got it done. Incredible run there. But fair play also to uh, Ryan Pinkerton, US junior, Nico, that I'm sure you know from back home. Uh, second place after I think he was the first place quali, uh, took second place in the race uh, by a second with a crash in his run. That's insane, eh? Yeah, he crashed in a pretty slow section too. Um, it looked like it, it cost him some time. Um, last year he did awesome on this track. I think he was somewhat, I, I remember either, I think it was Jackson crashed out and he was second behind Jordan with a really good time. Um, even though the juniors went earlier in the day. So he would be coming into this race with some confidence going to the track. And, uh, he's from Southern California where it's dry and dusty. So getting on this type of terrain, dry and dusty with rocks would have felt familiar to him. And, uh, yeah, it was cool to see him on pace. Um, we've had three different winners in the junior. Well, I guess, uh, not just the junior, but it's cool to, it's exciting to watch the, the junior racing because of that. Yeah, definitely. It's been super varied. In fact, the whole season's been pretty varied so far, which is, uh, which has been really cool and added to the fun. So yeah, good work to all those juniors. And again, it's great to see their runs being televised finally and them getting some airtime. So good stuff there. We'll move, we'll move on to, uh, the elite racing and, um, we'll touch briefly on qualifying. I kind of don't know where, which sessions to delve into in detail now because of the way semis fits into the picture and it, it's, it feels kind of hard to decide which areas to chat about mainly because I'm not quite sure yet what you know what the meaning of each session is until we get to the final. But 
we'll briefly dip into to qualifying. Um, Cami Belanche looked pretty unassailable, really. She had a couple of second lead. Her run, uh, you know, solid, typical Cami, very controlled, knows what she's doing, um, put down a good measure. But I think Jess Blewett definitely showed Ollie that uh, she was up for it and that that result from Val de Sol last year certainly, uh, you know, it wasn't a one-off. She goes well here, eh? She does go well here, yeah. She Jess has got like a great attitude, hasn't she? To, uh, I guess, the extreme side of our sport, and that's whether it's jumping and turning up to hard line, you know, or turning up at a gnarly track like Val de Sol, where it's you know you you got to switch on to the the difficulty of it. And uh, so, yeah, I think it just kind of plays into into her answer and into what she kind of likes. You know, it's uh, turns up get stuck into it you know she pushed it here and there and you know through the whole week you know just in practice and and uh all of the timed runs uh she was clear clearly giving it a good go and uh you know over the week it could have gone either way for her to be fair and but she's uh yeah she held on well and uh yeah good on her for that quality run yeah for sure and then into the elite men jordan williams kind of looking pretty threatening there nico hey like two seconds up on laurie uh bit over two up on on Jackson it was a uh, again a pretty strong start to the weekend for for Jordan yeah I would say um impressive the the margin he was two seconds up um he last year he was the fastest on this track in junior and for him to come in I'm sure he was feeling confident and uh to put in a margin like that was very impressive in the elite field and uh yeah I'm not surprised, but I'm I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, it's a, the maturity of of these juniors coming through this year is really quite incredible. I I wonder if they've got some confidence, Ollie, from the times they were posting last year that has given them a belief that maybe juniors in the past haven't had that they can challenge at the front straight away and they don't need to do anything different. Uh, yeah, it's got to have helped last year, hasn't it? And uh, uh, belief is probably everything in this sport isn't it way over like bike setup and you know you, you even even your technique and things like that if you've got a hell of a lot of belief and a lot of confidence which those two young lads have uh it's going to take them a long way uh i think last year's results definitely helped them with that belief for sure uh but they they have something a bit more sort of internal than that i think that says that they're they're happy to go that fast and 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 step up to the elite ranks straight away. Yeah, and a, a solid position there for Charlie Hatton, fifth uh, in qualifying. That must uh, feel pretty good. He's sort of been a little bit in the shadow of Andreas for the start of the season, but yeah, switched it round and took a fifth place there. Didn't quite convert, but could see Charlie towards the front, eh, Ollie? Ryder, you know well. Oh, yeah, it's good to see Charlie up there. I said it before, it's good. You know, he's getting into that top five. It's kind of like the next step for him, isn't it? And, uh, you know, he's... He's floating around 10th for for a while now, which is great and super impressive. Uh, but yeah, top five is the next step and he showed it in that quality run. Yeah, more to, more from him for sure. Let, we'll touch again briefly on the semi-final side of things. A fact that I thought was kind of interesting that came out in the commentary was that Cammy had had what sounded like a fairly big crash in the morning session that had red flagged the session she was in for a little bit. Quite impressive, Nico, to refocus after that there's not a lot of time is there in that morning of the racing to kind of get your runs done get up to speed and and get into the the rest of the day for semis and finals so to turn around from a crash and be back pretty much on pace is is pretty good yeah that's it's a quick turnaround and sometimes a thing like that can just throw you off your routine you plan to go out on the course and stop in this place split the course in half or look at one section you want to try um and when you have a crash it just throws your routine off um you either can't continue your practice and have to just get down and try to get ready or you you take confidence out of that section that you crashed in at the very least and then for her to turn that around regroup and go up and smash the next two runs very impressive yeah strong mind for sure other standouts uh in that session Jordan Williams, second place in semis with a flat tire, Ollie. <laughs> this guy, nothing slows him down, eh? 
<laughs> no, I know. <laughs> it's uh, it's that we spoke about like maybe the belief that he's he's got like how much he must be like knocking everybody else's kind of confidence when things like that are happening uh, is is uh, is insane, isn't it? And uh, yeah, every week he seems to you know both like not necessarily every week has he improved like because obviously he won the first one so his results wise every week hasn't but every week he's got the different painted helmet you know he's getting the the bright shoes or like clearly sponsors are now going all oh, right this guy you know like let, let's let's paint him a bit brighter kind of thing or yeah. quite literally so yeah deserves everything he's getting at the moment i think definitely and good to see loris up there Our two fastest men from last year loris and uh, jordan leading the semi-final charge as we come into finals. Before we move on from semis, we should shout out Joe Breeden for, I think, save of the day. Came close with uh, Jake Jewett, but Nico, going straight on in that, like, in Sam Hill turn, it's not a good move, eh? Like, yeah. He did well to hold on to that. Yeah, it was really good that he didn't crash, but a total bummer because his his run was awesome before that. Looked like he was going to go into a really solid position. And I'm not sure what happened there. It seemed like he, I mean, maybe all riders are smoked by the end of the run and you're tired, you lose upper body strength on that big impact. But it looked like he was just right of the line in some softer stuff and got spit off the back of the berm and then t- tangled in that that uh, reusable tape again too. So um, I'm glad he's okay. Glad he didn't crash and saved it. But man, what a bummer that he threw away a good run like that. Yeah, yeah, he's got a good history in Valdezol, so hopefully we'll get some more results from Joe later in the season. Let's move on to the finals. We'll start with the women's. Um, Ollie, a name that I feel like we're going to be uh, hearing a bit more of in the future is Lisa Bauman, who's riding for the Commissar mm. Lazor team. That was a strong showing from Lisa. I think she was up in uh, fifth in the qualifying and ended up eighth. It's uh, some impressive riding from from this young rider. I, I'm glad you mentioned her name, actually, and funny that you mentioned it first because she was definitely someone in my notes who kind of like stood out again, like speaking from a from a kind of coach's perspective in terms of how she was riding, uh, you know, how she was, you know, her technique, how she was literally standing on the bike is the thing that I noticed uh, was really, really solid. And, um, you know, if she's, if she's riding like that now, that's going to give her a good, consistent and solid base for, for improving and sneaking her way through the field. It, it, it's it's actually and maybe you know to go off her a second and talk about the field if it feels like it's got to, we've mentioned it before but it's got to go to the top 15 women hasn't it like i was looking at the semi-finals when it was the 15 obviously before it's cut down and i was like all of those women are from big teams investing quite a lot of money and what we don't want big teams to do is go ah oh, well there's no point in investing money in a, in a female if they're coming 12th 13th because suddenly then that's less sponsorship going into into that area which obviously means it will will grow slower and obviously mm. we're trying to grow the field and it is growing so brilliantly with new names like Jess and uh, um and Lisa coming into the into this sort of top 10 group but um yeah there's a there's a thing here of like yeah there's clearly these talented riders like Lisa let's give them the best chance we can at coming at attending finals and uh, bring them on so it becomes even more competitive Definitely, yeah, definitely room for more. Another rider that I, I thought had an incredible weekend and it didn't quite come together to, I think, the potential, but you can see it's there and that's Gracie Hemstreet. I mean, Nico, she was on a pretty incredible run, but actually to have that crash and to remain so composed, get up and literally come straight back up to race pace and continue that run, like there's a real talent here, I think. Hey, absolutely. I mean, she had such a strong junior career and it's been a rough start to the season, probably rougher than she would have liked to jump into elite, but to be in that situation where you crash in your race run and be able to reset and just continue on your, your plan afterwards without rushing or being kind of shook off your, your, your normal pace is a really hard thing to do, especially on a track like Val de Sol. A lot of times you you kind of lose motivation of like, well, what's the point now? Or you rush to try to make the time up and then make more mistakes. So for her to just put it behind her and then continue on is is a very mature move and really impressive to see. Yeah, incredibly it's, it's worth It's worth noting. 
Oh, sorry, Chris. I was just no, thinking this while I was looking at the time, and it's uh, and with Gracie, it's really worth noticing that by although it's only sector two, you're over halfway down the track by sector two in terms of time. Uh, she was tracking only a second off Camille's time um, uh, by that point by sector two at, at about two minutes twenty, which uh, shows she's on the pace of uh, you know a world champion. So yeah. Yeah, she's easily, you know, easily a podium rider, if not more, for sure. Mm-hmm. Let, let's talk about Nina Hoffman, because Nina had a pretty rough weekend, I think, and didn't really get down to get the chance to put down like a full run uh, in the way that she'd want to until finals. Do you think that is potentially part of the problem here, Ollie? Like, you've got these three sessions, and it definitely looks like people are using those three time runs to build, like, there was a big jump, especially in the women's field, seven to eight seconds for the top women from semis to finals. And Nina hadn't really had the opportunity to put those markers down until the final run. Do you think that that can be a problem? Yeah, definitely it can be a problem. It's a huge thing that I think uh, riders need to do and is get a timed run, you know, because there's so much you learn from full and timed runs that you can then develop on. You know, naturally, uh, you know, obviously session, like I say, sessioning, but sectioning and checking out sections, stopping, having a look and all that stuff through practice. You're obviously learning your lines and your conditions and stuff like that. But under a full run, you're getting the full flow of the track. You're getting your understanding, the actual speed you're coming into each sections properly, especially on Val de Sol. You're understanding how uh, tired you are as you come into sections so these these timed runs they get they're getting so much more information uh that they can you know to be able to deliver on the next one so yeah missing out on those or not being able to you know deliver those in full uh is def- definitely makes it harder uh come your final run yeah yeah it's a challenging one if you don't have a clean three runs i guess through that period um nico thoughts on marine cabaru again she seems to be just gradually making her way back towards where we'd expect to see her after some some pretty horrible injuries but that looked like a pretty uh pretty solid performance like she's really looking like her old self on the bike now yeah absolutely i mean quietly building her way back up too before some of those back and and neck and spine injuries that she had she was kind of always on the podium consistently and knocking on the door for wins. And it looks like she's making her way right back in there. And when you can do it consistently, step by step, I think it's really shows that it's sustainable. So I think she should be really proud of that and definitely another building block in the right direction. Yeah. Incredible result for Jess Blewett, her best ever World Cup elite finish. Um, Cool to see. Uh, She's off to hard line again. To, for some redemption so it'd be exciting to see how she gets on there a rider that's clearly very talented across the board Cami Blanche Ollie, 2.9 back do you think maybe it was a, a tough one to ask after having a big crash in the morning or do you think Valley has just really found a, a form that's going to prove hard to beat uh, yeah hard to answer I suppose probably a little bit of both you know the crashing on these tracks it bloody hurts doesn't it so it's you know she's there's going to be a bit of that but cammy you know she 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 knows how to ride in pain doesn't she you know she she's evidenced that last year didn't she so you know she she i don't think that's necessarily going to hold her back unless there's more than we know obviously without knowing all the ins and outs of of the crash and any potential injuries uh i don't think she'd have held back you know she she would have been given it her all and it probably just shows, as we'll speak about in a minute, but shows, you know, how well Valley is riding at the moment and probably the sort of wave of confidence that she's also on, um, you know, after these back-to-back wins. I think it's yeah. also oh, hard yeah, let's to talk put about. a finger on exactly that it was a, a reason that that she had this incident. Like, the, there's so much terrain being thrown at you on this track and only half of it's on camera. So without talking to her, you know, she could have <laughs> just had a a mistake in a section or been offline or not ridden the way she wanted to through one spot and, and lost time there. It's easy to, to lose it. So, um, it, it's tough. Like when we watch the commentating too, they try to find a reason why the guy's behind or not. And it, it's most likely someplace off camera that they made a mistake, especially when it's the tracks as hard as this. Yeah, very true. Yeah. We're still not quite seeing everything 
on the uh, on the footage, certainly in some of the runs. Um, yeah, I want I want to talk about Valley's run, I and mean, we've seen throughout the week. Um, I think it was Vintage Downhill reposted Sam Hill's run uh, from back in the day on full twenty six here, which when you watch it, it kind of you just remember quite how wild and how committed that was. And it, it almost felt to me like there was a little bit of that in Valley's run today, like the level of commitment, the amount the bike was kind of bucking around and working underneath her. Like this is a level of aggressive riding that we've definitely seen from Valley here and there, but we've rarely seen her manage to carry that all the way down the hill. And now she seems to have found the ability to, to take that aggression and bring it all the way to the finish. Nico, any any thoughts on on that? Like, it feels like Valley's finally clicked on this uh, performance that I guess everyone was sort of touting a couple of years ago, but it's taken a little while to come together. Yeah, I mean, it's just another year of maturity, another year of training under her belt, being stronger um, and experience as well. I mean, she's been on runs like this before and then thrown it away. So to put one together is only the natural progression. You you got to go that pace to learn how to do it and she's done it over the past few years and good to see her the past two weekends when you get one under your belt you you gain confidence from that so for her to do it again is not surprising but again it's a impressive feat for sure yeah first repeat winner of the year i think ollie it's uh it's got to start giving some confidence yeah yeah it seems like it doesn't matter whether it's junior women or men uh, or elite there hasn't been this somebody like taking the like holding the baton and keeping it there kind of thing and it, and uh but yeah valley's done that uh for these two races it's, yes it's going to give her confidence i think she rode with a lot of confidence on that run it was very clear that she knew she could deliver that that run you know she's strong so you know dealing with those big hits uh she was she was taking them like a champ you know it was absolutely awesome to see so um yeah, yeah, I really liked watching her run. Actually, I think if you compare it to not just her run in Lenzerheide, but in Lenzerheide, I didn't see probably like quite as much like mm, attack, if you know what I mean, at the female field. I thought there were maybe there was a bit of nerves being round one or whatever, and I think that's built over from you know these the first two rounds, and then it really showed today. Like they were going for it, you know, those top three or four were absolutely flying down the hill and obviously giving it their all and. Uh, and Valley, yeah, three seconds up, fair play. Yeah, incredible victory. And uh, be interesting to see how that battle progresses throughout the season. We'll, we'll move on mm. to the men's. And it was a similar story to last year in that rain definitely affected play uh, to some extent, which is always unfortunate, but I guess the nature of our sport. Luckily, we, I think we still had a pretty amazing race, uh, especially towards the end of the men's field. But early on, it looked like... Uh, Bernard might be getting that win that he's been looking for for so long, eh, Nico? Like, he looked like a very nervous man sat on that podium, hot seat, wondering what was going to happen. Yeah, I guess at that point it could have gone either way. I thought if it stayed in a similar condition, um, there was some guys coming down five seconds off his time that would be five seconds off the top guy's time. So I thought in, in that condition, the guys might be able to still challenge Bernard. But if it got any worse, it would definitely go in Bernard's favor. And in the end, I think it got better. So um, it was definitely um, exciting until the end with that. But some guys in the in the middle there, like 25 to 10 qualifiers, definitely had a harder track. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, definitely a little a little bit unfair for some of the riders there, but some incredible performances throughout the field someone that stood out for me and and I feel like they're you know they've always been an exciting rider to watch Ollie but like coming back from injury and getting back to form is Thomas Estac like an insane rider incredible talent 16th place on the day with a you know a, a challenging run that I don't think he was perfectly happy with but I think a rider that we could definitely see you know challenging the top 10 at some point yeah, you'd like to hope he can keep stepping it up uh, through the field. He looked, it's like I've spoken a lot about riding styles, actually, to be fair on this call, but definitely for him, you know, like he's quite uh, like loose on the bike. He let, allows the bike to move around very free underneath him. You know, he's, he doesn't, 
He's not ride. It's rare you see him ride tight, and he delivered. I think you know a run today the way he wasn't riding tight. You know, um, he's uh, yeah, definitely one to watch. You know, he puts it all into it. He looks great on in um, you know edits and stuff that he does as well. Um, yeah, let's 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 see him keep uh, uh, creeping his way up. I think I'm right as well that isn't he, he, he's Nico. You might know more here, but. Hasn't he? He's, has he dealt with a few injuries over the years and stuff like that? Is he? He's kind of been a bit back and forward. And if he can get some consistency under his belt in terms of like consistent racing, then I'm sure we'll see him further up the field pretty soon. Yeah, he, he definitely had a few injuries. I'm not sure the the complete list, but I know at one point he had a concussion that I think he was dealing with some some mm-hmm. symptoms from. Um, but I was going to say he's normally good on Val de Sol as well. Like I, he had his podium here in, I think it was 2018. He looked amazing that year on this track. Um, and normally when it's gnarly is, is where he excels and he does well. It's when the tracks are too, um, everybody's kind of on the same line that he can't separate himself as well. So I would expect the, the gnarlier ones for him to do results like this. And I think if he would have gone with equal conditions to everyone, he would have been on for probably a top 10 challenging for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I want to talk about Loris Vergier, Nico. He, um, incredible rider, insane on this track, won here last year. But in his interview on the broadcast, he talked about the fast guys doing gaps that he was scared of as if he wasn't one of the fast guys. Like, do you, do you think he believes in himself? Like he's clearly got the talent to win this thing. He's shown us that, but it seemed weird to hear him talking as if he wasn't one of the guys that could win. Loris has like the lowest self-esteem of any of the top riders. Like he probably has the best technique and has like the best form on the bike of anyone. And he always talks himself out of it like that. Or he talks about how, um, the other guy, like, Oh, I couldn't do that. Or I, I don't know why if Loris had Loic's confidence with his skill, he would be unbeatable. (laughs) It's like everybody has their superpower. (laughs) And, uh, it's part of the reason why Loris is such a nice guy is because he's so humble and friendly. He's definitely not, um, he, he doesn't think he's better than, than anyone, but I think he could probably, if he believed in himself a little more, win more races than he already has. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, wasn't quite to be for Loris today, but still a, a podium. Ollie Troy Brosnan, the man we've always expected to see on the top five. He's had a few blips in the last year or so, but it looks like he's, he's back cementing a good result from Lear gang as well. Good to see Troy back up there. Yeah, great to see him up there. Um, uh, over the years, kind of it has delivered runs that are sometimes my favourite to watch. And I think his was like a standout run for me uh, this weekend, for sure. Like it was, um, uh, yeah, I've spoken about like body language, I think I might have mentioned at the beginning of the call. And, uh, and I definitely think like his body language down the hill was just right. And it was quite funny because I thought he's also his bike looked to work really well and like the setup of it was really good as well and and my question I was kind of thinking to myself and and maybe open to you guys as well was like yeah is it is it because his body language like his relaxed but positive like attitude on the bike was was that making the bike work well (laughs) or was the bike working well which allowed him to have that (laughs) you know we're talking chicken or egg here kind of thing but um yeah, they, it looks like a great unit working that uh, this weekend for sure. Definitely, yeah. Good to see him back up there. Let's talk about that run from Thibaut de Prella, Nico. Uh, this is a Thibaut that maybe we haven't seen quite that aggressive for a little while, but it's, it's a Thibaut that we know and every fan, I'm sure, loves to watch. That was another wild Thibaut run. Sort of felt like maybe that could be the winning run at some point, but cool to see him back up there, and it feels like that meant a lot to him. Like You could see at the bottom that he was... He was really kind of touched by that run. Yeah, he definitely left it all on the track, that's for sure. And I think without that <laughs> one pretty major mistake, it would have been really close to see if he could have won or not. I think he should be happy that he held on to it and still managed uh, to get on the podium with that issue. Um, but he definitely was was going to go and, I mean, he still went into the hot seat, but he would have been, I think, who is it that came next after him? He would have been on their exact 
pace without having that issue. It was like that split that he went green. So, um, man, it's cool to see him going aggressive like that. I think he sometimes struggles with how aggressive to ride. And like other times you'll see him get a between 10th and 20th place result and not be pushing enough and be frustrated. That's almost more frustrating is to know that you rode too conservatively and left time out there than to just feel like maybe you made a few mistakes and and gave up some time, but you tried everything. So cool to see, exciting to watch. Absolutely for us. Um, but hopefully he can find the perfect, uh, <laughs> perfect place on the dial for the next run. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> very exciting man to watch. Another exciting man to watch, Finn Isles, Ollie. He's uh was looking pretty composed, but the bike was sort of pushing a little bit on him, I think, in the end. Wasn't quite to be, but a solid run from Finn, a pretty good uh, a good start to the day for Canada. Yeah, yeah, certainly was, wasn't it? He uh from what I was hearing uh through the week, like he was looking the fastest, earliest, you know, and there was there was then you start thinking, oh, has he has he gone out the blocks too soon? You know, has he gone a bit too hard, too early, kind of thing. So, um, so uh, that that would have been a risk. But as you can see, he's laid down a run. Uh, it was an awesome run, wasn't it? It, it was. It was the biggest thing I was noticing about his his run actually, and to compare with Jackson's in a second was uh, the kind of almost everything was different. I couldn't probably compare lines because I haven't looked at them directly like that. But in terms of bike setup, way they were riding the bike, uh, it looked like they'd almost taken two different angles to me. And I, I sort of was alluding to this at the beginning of the call, but these two were very drastically different. Um, and they went down the ha- down the track at a very similar time. So um, how, it, how would you, you know, describe their, that? How would you describe their two different approaches then? If you had to like give us some thoughts on how each of them went about setting the bike up and riding it down the hill, because I tend to agree they look very different. It did, didn't it? And again, this is only can totally be wrong with this, but for me, it looked like Jackson was running, especially on the rear. Uh, very firm setup you know he'd gone down that road of like i'm gonna let this bike uh be able to deal with this holes without sinking into them um and with it jackson Turner stood very as he always does you know this is his style stood very tall on the bike very central on the bike and just like let the bike just deal with the holes like it's sometimes i thought it was almost catching on some some like edges because it was so firm kind of thing but actually when he was getting to the bigger holes it was kind of dealing with them so well and i don't think he was getting sucked into some of those like where they were hidden holes as it as it looked on on the screen anyway from from my angle whereas then um uh finn was uh, a lot lower in the bike you know a bit more typical like him and bruni probably ride quite similar don't they a lot lower on the bike um in terms of their mass like keeping their center of gravity lower uh and with that came like i thought it looked like a lot lower front end uh and matched that a softer front end as well and rear for that matter so yeah they were they were two slightly different strategies i'm sure their mechanics would tell me otherwise of what the actual detail was um but it definitely looked like that from the outside Okay. Would you, would you buy into that, Nico? Did you feel similarly watching that? Or have you got any other thoughts on those, those two and the way they approached it? No, I would say like without knowing more info, I think Ollie's spot on from what you can see from the outside. Yeah. And what did you think to that run from Jackson then, uh, Nico? Like, I don't think I've ever seen so much pent up aggression out of the gate. Like it nearly spilled over the bars in the first turn, but (laughs) he somehow kind of held on, refocused and put together a run where, it looked like he barely touched the ground, like he had such a kind of light touch all the way down the hill. Yeah, and quite a few gaps along the way, too. He was kind of just hopping his way, picking it apart, um, which is really hard to do on a track like that. There's so many things you can't see on TV that are out to get you. So for him to hop his way down and especially like him not knowing how slick it would be and still going for some of that stuff, um, I think it showed his confidence right now. And um I think also he's he's pretty small and light guy and sometimes it's easier on these huge compressions if you don't have as much weight behind you to have that light touch. Sometimes you see out of Loris too. So um, very, very clean run. Um, just the way he picked up those gaps was very impressive. Yeah, incredible to see. So that's our two juniors from last year 
three rounds in and they've won one each. Uh, we've had Andreas Cole. We've had three races, three new winners. It's been an incredible start to the season, but yeah, it really shows that the new the new guard, I guess, are, are raising the bar for everyone. I listened to uh, Miss Spent Summers' interview that Sven did with Jackson just after taking that victory, and he's casually just popped into hospital on Monday to get his appendix finally taken out, Ollie. So uh, we forget kind of that he's been <laughs> dealing with like antibiotics and pain and stuff all through this first block of the season. Um, he's going to be even more dangerous, I guess, when that's all sorted, eh? Yeah, he is going to be even more dangerous. Um, and, and and looking at it from a from a overall standings perspective, like he he's just gone from like fourth to first in one weekend, you know. And I think this is this is going to be the the potentially unless Jackson does just come out and just carry on firing. But remember, there's plenty of people that can fire at this stage, whether it be Lo- Loic or you know Jordan if he hadn't crashed. So. Um, it shows that the, the sway in the standings, I think, can bounce around. And, yep, Jackson's at the top right now, but, um, yeah, anything can happen. He, In fact, I was just looking, he picked up 345 points just from this weekend, right? So that, that's out of a total of 400 or a max of 400. Um, you know, in round one, he picked up 196. So, okay, this isn't perfect maths, maths, but he's getting on for nearly twice the amount of points in one race that he got in round one, you know? And round one wasn't exactly bad. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we could see some massive sway, especially if we get a different winner each each week. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Let's talk about a few people then that didn't have quite so good a day on the hill. Uh, Nico, we'll start with Jordan. A, a, a guy that has been very sort of calm and considered and built through the sessions over the last few weekends, um, the race run started off pretty well, but ended up uh, with a near crash and then a crash. Any thoughts on on that run? Just pushing a bit too hard, maybe? It's really hard to tell because he didn't look like he did anything different than he normally does. Um, his his style is is very calm, I would say. He doesn't do anything exciting on the bike. He just, I think he's watching him he's really good with his controls so like his braking is is in the right places and his lean angle and his pressure on the tires is is just right and he um he carries a lot of momentum with that so it's hard to see when when maybe he misjudges something because you don't have a big exciting moment it's just all of a sudden he was on the ground so um i'd say like you can't expect to go through this many timed runs without ever having an issue and um, it's it's a bummer for him that he lost as many points as he did. I think he would have surely been on the podium and collected good points for the overall. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's any way to explain it. It's it's by the time you're at that point in the track, it's really hard to hold on as well. So it's, this is the most physical track with home, probably no pedaling, and that's one of the biggest compressions near the bottom. So maybe that had something to do with it. I'd say even the most fit guys are tired when they get there so um hard to say yeah no doubt yeah. he'll be back i was just going to say chris actually and uh, and echoing uh, nico's thoughts about how jordan is been pretty precise pretty you know he's uh, up until that crash like the first three rounds he's been laying down some re- very very neat runs and i bumped into him in the skate park a couple of times this winter uh ramp world where we go in south wales and uh and like he actually surprised me how good he was in the skate park i didn't know his kind of background i just assumed he was like this young lad who just did laps after laps after laps after laps you know and just sort of built like a race just pedigree but he in the skate park he was incredible and i think that's that's where you build that like precision and that mm-hmm. that like real like understanding and feel for the ground if that makes sense i think so um yeah, there's, I think that's the reason why he's uh, he is as Nico described. Yeah, and that, yeah, we'll sh- we'll see more from Jordan for sure. I think the person who potentially had the worst weekend out of the, the bunch there really was Loic. I mean, Loic is uh, mm-hmm. always an overall contender, uh, multiple time world champion, but Valdesol is a track he's never won on. Um, maybe doesn't always gel with, but this weekend really didn't go to plan for Loic, ending up 14th. But yeah, if we talk about what that's done to the overall, we've now got Jackson in the lead from Finn, quite close between the two, then Loris, Andreas Kolb, uh, Loic, and then Jordan. So Loic, 
Nico has uh, has really taken quite a big hit in the overall from that. But I guess like Ollie alluded to, like there's still all to play for, and and these these positions could move around quite a lot throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, if he lost it that quick, he can get it back that quick in in one of the next rounds. I was also surprised, but I th- I think he he struggled in every session this this weekend. So, um, he, it kind of makes sense when you when you add all three points opportunities up. But I was I was surprised to see him go from first to fifth. I I was just surprised to see Loic have that many unloic runs in a weekend like loic executes he's a perfectionist he always looks precise and he looked good when he wasn't having issues everything looked good it didn't look like there was like you know anything wrong he wasn't didn't look like he was off the pace but it just didn't quite come together in the format we'd normally expect to see it yeah for sure he was watching him it was I kind of still thought, if I'm honest, like going into his finals, that he was at, he was still just lay one down because it's Loic, right? He's like he's a racing machine, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he's uh, even if he if he did no practice, I think his like racing sort of mentality and process just works, and he just, he would just lay down a, a great run. But um, you know, uh, there's a thing that needs to be said here: everybody's human, you know, and like sometimes things don't quite work and we just assume obviously with somebody like Loic who's kind of always at the top or thereabouts that they should be every week but um I'm not saying we should give him a break but you know like there's always like you know (laughs) it's okay he is obviously a human he was a few seconds back this week and he'll probably win the next round so uh yeah 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 nothing nothing to worry about I think with Loic it'll keep him hungry and yeah I guess the next the next race is world champs right which uh if anyone's a world champ specialist these days, it's Loic. So we should definitely keep an eye on him. And then we'll talk about the women's overall. So Cami still leads on 1,020 points, but Valley's reeled her in a little bit. She's now in second on 982. Uh, and Rachel's still in third, despite not being at Valdesol this week. I think she's chosen to take some time and focus on Fort William, which is uh, going to be the next stop, which is going to be an exciting race for sure. Um, before we wrap up after this incredible week of racing, we should hit up Lit Kit uh, thoughts for the weekend. Uh, Ollie, have you had a chance to think about this one? I normally catch you out with it, but I'm sure you're on it. <laughs> you know, I always feel pressure with this, but um, do you know what? Uh, it, um, it's going to go Troy, and it's going to go Troy because of his riding style as well. Okay. I love that the, the slightly understated kind of white kit with the grey uh, Troy Lee. Like, I think it. It looked smart, but for me, I I want to kind of kind of give it to him for the package because I think his his like overall riding approach and style and run delivery matched with a very neat kit and a, and a good working bike. I think uh, I think he gets it for me. Fair, Nico. Where's it going for you this week? Yeah, I agree, Ali. I think the helmets too of the the guys on the team, the way that they paint Troy and Lucas helmets, make it all the complete package. They look really cool. Um, I honestly, I, I, I looked at a guy who was wearing a kit that looked like something I would wear was Teo Erlingson. He, um, I always ask Fox for like black and white cause it's timeless. And I just, I, I prefer to wear black and white stuff if I can. I think white is loud without being too, I don't know, uh, too colorful in the sense that um it gets old quick so i i love the black and white kits and his kit looked like something that i would ask fox for so i i liked it a lot (laughs) all right i'm gonna i'm gonna vote for union this week i like there's something about that kind of combo it's got like a business casual vibe to it it looks kind of serious but not too serious i like what they've done the colors are cool um I think they've done a really nice job there. Nice, simple, clean kit. So yeah, props to Union for that. Cool. Well, yeah, what a race. Three three uh, new male winners this year. We've only had one repeat winner, I think, across all categories. Valley taking uh, her repeat win this weekend. Some insane runs. The Black Snake delivered once again. And uh, yeah, we've got a bit of a gap now. 
for everyone to maybe grab, grab a bit of rest or go and throw themselves down hard line, depending on what they see <laughs> as a good way to recover from World Cup racing. Um, Nico, will we see you at the next block? Are we uh, are we going to get you back between the tape soon? Uh, I'd like to. Um, I'm just gonna, still taking it kind of a week at a time. Um, just trying to do what I can to get back. And when I'm strong enough to support the speed that I need to go, then, then I'll race. I don't feel any pressure, but I really want to. So we'll see. How, how quick I can do it. Good stuff. Well, it's been super fun chatting and uh, yeah, Nico, hopefully you get to where you want to be pretty quickly and uh, yeah, look forward to speaking to you both in the near future. Thank you. Thanks guys. All right. That's it for this Maxis tires post-race show with Nico and Ollie. I really hope you enjoyed it. A massive thank you to Maxis for supporting this season. Maxis have incredible tyres for you, no matter how or where you ride, so head over to maxis.com or visit your local Maxis dealer and check them out. Here's a few other links that might be useful to you too. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow so you don't miss an episode, forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch, and forward slash EP if you'd like copies of our lovely print project, Downtime EP. If you want to help support the show, then you can set up a regular donation over at patreon.com forward slash downtimepodcast. As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today, but until next time, get out and ride. (laughs) 